What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Echoes of Ellum, the podcast centered around the Deep Ellum music scene of Dallas, Texas. For episode six, we have none other than Chaz Knight. Chaz got his start in radio at KFMX in Lubbock, Texas, and eventually came to the DFW scene where he DJed alongside the likes of Cindy Skull and Chris Ryan in 97.1 The Eagle, which was, at the time, the main rock station in the DFW Metroplex. A man of the people who always gave us local bands the star treatment with his Sunday night local shows, broadcasting live from the Curtain Club, and giving bands in a pre-social media era a means to promote themselves. Seriously, the scene would have been so boring without this guy. He's also one hell of a frontman and belts out classic 80s tunes with his band Red Leather. I've been looking forward to this one. So let's get to it. You hear me? Hey, brother. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yep. Can you hear me? Not much, man. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Am I nice and clear? You're so clear. So clear. Hey, I love that shirt, by the way. That's awesome. Hey. Let me put my guitar up. I was just jamming a little bit while I was. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to get everything set up. I should have done a better job. Yeah, you're good. I'm stoked to have you, man. Glad you're here. Welcome. Trying welcome, to, welcome. Trying to get the lighting right. Oh, okay. I'm fancy. Well, I was checking out your, uh, oh, your hair. Yeah. My lack of hair. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, dude. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah. Um, I was uh, I was actually just uh, looking at that local show CD, man, the lineup on that thing. Mm -hmm. I hadn't looked at the lineup on your local show CD in quite a while. I mean, it basically reads like a who's who list of like people I should try to call for this podcast. There you go. I mean, it's like it's all the bands, you know, Bowling for Soup, the Nixons, Pimpadelic, Porn Lab, Jive, Flicker Stick, Drowning Pool, Elified Funk Crew, Plastic Tongue, Edgewater, Space Cadet, Valve, Big Iron. Doosu, Spoon Fed Tribe. I mean, just on and on. Yeah, that was a great CD. Yeah, yeah that was a good time, wasn't it? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the guy spray painting, uh, show us your cans. Yeah. Uh, the guy with the on the on the artwork, that artwork was great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the guy that's the guy who did the bowling for soup album covers. That's the same guy who did those. Really? Yeah, did you know Jeff Jeff uh, Rowe who was the manager of Bowling for Soup, helped me put together both of those CDs, the, the local show CD and the live and local CD. And and we used okay. a lot of the same people that were, you know, in the Bowling for Soup camp. So the, the album cover was designed by the same guy who did the early, the older, you know, the first two or three Bowling for Soup albums. So I remember those real cartoonish albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's that same, yeah. it's the same guy. That's so awesome. That's Hell cool. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you know why we're here. We're here to talk about Elam, and I'm trying to go back and document, you know, some of the history, you know, and talk about that That's scene, cool. you know, and that I was a part of, that we were a part of. And I wanted to ask you, maybe, like, I usually start by asking everybody what maybe one of their earliest memories of Elam was, like something real significant that maybe inspired you, or you know, like when you first got down there. <clears throat> so you know. Um... I moved to Dallas in 90, in the end of 96, beginning of 97, I started working at the Eagle and uh, Chris Ryan was doing the local show. 
and he had moved it. I, it was at the, I want to say the orbit room, which was off across from, um, I think it was actually on um, across from Adair's over there. And anyway, I, that's, that's the first time I went to the local show, right? Because uh, Chris was mm -hmm. hosting, and I think it was like Dusu was playing and or something. And um, and that's probably my earliest memory. I, I've got another memory, but as far as local music, <laughs> that's probably yeah, my yeah. first, you know. And, and then, you know, not too long after that, Chris Ryan was like, dude, you know, he was done. He didn't really want to do it anymore. And he asked me if I wanted right. to do it. And I was like, well, hell yeah. So <laughs> I took over there. Yeah. But I've got another memory for you if you want another memory. My first memory of Deep Ellum. You want to hear that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I was in that same area. There was a club called Gridlock for a while. And I was actually visiting. I hadn't moved to Dallas yet, but we went down to Deep Ellum. One of my first times in Deep Ellum. Uh, I think I got a tattoo that time as well. Anyway, um, we go to this club called Gridlock. And... Uh, at first, you know, it was, it was kind of an industrial club, you know, kind of cool music, I guess. And, you know, we were just kind of new to the scene, so we, did, we didn't know what kind of club it was. Uh, I remember it being called Gridlock, and uh, there was this really hot girl on the other side of the bar. She kept staring at me. So I'm kind of staring back, you know, kind of giving her the what's up. And uh, for this went on for like a 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, you know, I'm, we're making these eyes at each other. And I'm thinking, dang, yeah. you know, I like Dallas. This is pretty. This is pretty awesome, man. These hot girls, you know, they want to talk to me, right? And so she walks over to me, straight, just beeline straight for me. I'm sitting at the bar, you know, drinking, and she comes over and she uh, she says, "Hi, what's your name?" So, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It wasn't actually a girl. It was a guy, but he was really hot. I want to tell you that he was one of the hottest dudes I've ever seen. Right. That was right. my first experience in Deep Ellum way back. So then I was like, yeah, Deep Ellum's going to be fun. I, I want to hang out here more. This is this is a crazy place. So and then, of course, I moved here and met Chris Ryan. And then, you know, that first time going to the local show at the Orbit Room and seeing Dusu. And then he said, hey, and I'm burnt out. You want to do this? And I was like, yeah, let's do this. And then we moved it to the Curtain Club and the rest is history, as you know. I saw Dusu. I think it was at the uh, the little club that was in the Bronco Bowl, uh, the Canyon Club. I saw Dusu at the Canyon Club, and that was the first time I had ever seen him. I was in Outlet at that time, and I'd already been playing in Ellen for a little bit. And for some reason, they weren't on my radar. But I remember being blown away by them, seeing them live for the first really time. Totally. Yeah. They were different. They weren't your normal like just straightforward rock band. They were very technical and a little off yep. center a little bit. That's what I liked about them, you know, kind of like Rush meets, you know, Tool meets, you know, I mean, they were it had some punk elements into them. Yeah, they were really cool. Yeah, Deucey was great. Yeah. Man, that's cool. awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, um, what I like to do kind of is move through the history, you know, chronologically, Let's you know, your story, you know. Um, so... I kind of, from what you sent me, uh, kind of wrote out a little little piece here. So, like, you know, it started with uh, you in high school, hanging out with rockers and guys that were in bands. And, you know, but even before that, I kind of wanted to touch on maybe what your first instrument was or something. You know, like, did you start on guitar or maybe drums? Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man. I, uh, <laughs> man, to go way back for sure, 
Um, I was always into music. I think fifth grade, uh, I met a kid named Norman Kirby in elementary, and he was like, have you heard the band Kiss? And I was like, I, mean, I haven't heard any bands. I mean, other than, you know, what I background music on the radio, but I really wasn't into music too much, but just what was on the radio, I guess, but not like a super fan until he turned me on to Kiss Alive too, And then I was like, dang, Kiss, they wear makeup. They're like superheroes and they rock out. And so, yeah, totally, you know, got into that, uh, joined the Kiss Army and uh, <laughs> had to get every Kiss album that there was, you know. At that time, it was albums and cassettes. So, you know, I had every Kiss okay. album. And then from there, you know, it went on to Van Halen and then a lot of those bands, you know, because that was about the time Van Halen was coming out. I mean, I was young. I was elementary school. And then Blue Oyster Cult. And then, you know, all these bands after that. But uh, the more I got into music, the more I wanted to play music. And I just kept bugging my dad. I was like, Dad, I want a guitar. I want to, you know, Ace Freely, lead guitar, shock me. You know, I wanted to get down on some guitar. And uh, for Christmas, when I was 15, I think 14 or 15, my dad bought me my first guitar which was a Yamaha, it was a Strat copy, looked like a black Eric Clapton Strat, but it was a Yamaha. And uh, that's what I started out on. I started playing guitar and, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, run to the hills down and Judas Priest living yeah. for midnight down, you know, those tracks and then Metallica, you know, trying to learn that first Metallica album. And then just, you know, uh, I still play today. I got, in fact, my guitars are right over here. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about Kiss in there. I remember uh, inheriting my uncle's record collection, and he had a lot of Kiss, like Double Platinum, yes. Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive Two, yes. uh, Love Gun, Destroyer. It was all there. You know, there was even a Kiss Army record, I think, in there. I remember specifically, like maybe something that was specifically made for the Kiss Army fans, the fan club. But that yeah. record you mentioned, uh, Kiss Alive Two. I remember opening that double gatefold. And seeing that big epic yeah. shot of them on stage with all the flames and and it, that that did it for me right there. I was like completely like just drawn in at that point. Yeah. Yep. There it is. Check it out. <laughs> this is what you're talking about. Oh yes, with the stage and like just that whole thing. Yeah, with Peter Chris way up on the riser. Yeah. Get Simmons over there on the left, just looking so like yeah. Paul Stanley. So heroic. I mean, look at these guys. Yeah. How, how are oh, the, my lights get in the way? But how are you not sit, looking at this as a kid and not instantly becoming a fan? You know? Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. Dude. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. That was where I got my start, basically, too, as far as what gave me the bug where I first saw something and was like, whoa, what is this? And then off I went, you know, the same kind of journey Van Halen, Metallica. Yeah. I learned through uh, guitar tabs. Yeah, we yeah. Metallica songs and Kiss songs. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But you know, I think it was the makeup. You know, that makeup had something to do with it because we were young, and so seeing like this band perform in the makeup, I think that's just took it over the top. Absolutely, I think that's why it's uh, kids. You know, since you pulled a record out, I did bring something I thought you would appreciate that I found recently. Nice. Uh, the picture disc, because uh, I saw that you post some Rush stuff sometimes. Love Rush. Uh, signals picture disc is it is it okay the glare and no, no, yeah, dude yeah i'm a huge fan of rush in fact that's my favorite that's my sorry i kicked my dog uh is it really is it mine too that's uh, my favorite yeah. rush album 
Um, yep. You mean, I, everybody, everybody loves moving pitchers, and, and, and moving pitchers is great, no doubt about it. Yeah. But, man, that transition – actually, I like that, those, those three in a row, when they went with um, – um, Gang, what was, what was the one with Free Will and Spirit of Radio? Um, it was right before Moving Pictures. Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but that one, Permanent Waves. Permanent Waves, Permanent Waves, yeah. Permanent Waves, Moving Pictures, straight into it. Signals. That that three album, that was like the soundtrack of my youth, man. That, those three albums were, yeah. you know, mind-blowing how great the musicianship was on that. But Signals is my, is my favorite. That's awesome. Right, right. That picture disc. Is yeah, awesome. I, love, I love that picture disc. I love subdivisions. It, it Rush came to me later. It's interesting. Like, I didn't really appreciate him until I got in my early 20s. And then somehow I landed on signals and subdivisions and really fell in love with it. Oh. Like, bef you know, before I even really discovered everything else. And then I found the Via Stringato. And oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh. I know. Alex Life is now one of my all-time favorite guitar players. So good, you know, so good for sure. Yeah. So so good. Um, but we can talk about Rush forever. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about all these bands forever, man. I love it. Oh, I know. I I'm know. a big music yeah. nerd, so that's what happened, man. I just became a music nerd and started playing music, and you know, started forming bands. I actually uh, moved to Texas to go to college, and then you know, it just became that much more. I mean, I met other guys who were into, you know, those bands and I met other musicians who played and we were forming bands and we were playing covers. And uh, then I got, you know, I went to school to learn. I actually, you know, wanted to be a rock star, but you know, you know how your parents are always like, you need to do something to fall back on in case music doesn't work. You know, they're, they're always yeah. like, you know, have a backup plan. So I went to college and studied, but I took like a mini music courses as I could, music performance, you know, music history, uh, you know, anything that was related. I actually went to a college that was uh, specialized in music uh, out in uh, West Texas called South Plains College. So they had like recording studios and, uh, you know, all, all kinds of things. So I learned audio production and sound reinforcement. So I learned a lot about, you know, the music business and, you know, performing and everything involved. And then that kind of segued into getting a gig at the radio station, which I was just a board op, you know, kind of like an engineer type at the radio station, yeah. at an AM talk radio station. And then, but in that same little, where they had the AM talk radio station, the rock station was in the same building. So <laughs> obviously that's where I gravitated because I wanted to hang out with yeah. the rock dudes and I wanted to be like, you know, wow, this is like rock radio. This is like really cool. And I just became friends with them and I just pestered them enough to where they finally gave me a, a spot on the weekend. And uh, that's where the radio career started. And I started doing radio, working at the rock station in Lubbock, Texas, FMX. And FMX. FMX, right. KFMX, uh, the home of rock and roll is what they called it. Is that where you did the, uh, the six pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's okay. so weird that I gravitated immediately to like a Sunday night format because when I was in Lubbock, um, yeah, by the, the program director, he said, I'm going to have you start doing Sunday nights. And I was like, okay. And he goes, it's going to be a real chill. You know, you don't have to do much, uh, just make some extra money, but we're doing this thing called the Sunday night six pack. So at 6 PM on Sunday, we would play six CDs in their entirety in a row. And I would only break mm -hmm. in, halfway through the CD and at the top of the hour. So basically, you know, 
So, okay. I mean, I would, yeah, man. And so I didn't really talk much, um, but, but it was my Sunday night thing. And that's what I kind of became famous for is doing the Sunday night show. Uh, oh yeah. You're the six pack guy. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, it's hard did to part. Do I'm what? Sorry. Sorry. I said, did you get to pick the bands? The, no, the bands no, no. Okay. Okay. I would make recommendations, but the program director always picked the, uh, the pick the bands, but. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, but I, what I was going to say, it's hard to have a Sunday fun day when you know you got to be at work at 6 p.m. till like midnight, 12:30. But uh, yeah. But a couple times I went in totally zooted, you know, <laughs> just partying all day <laughs> work. Those were good shows, yeah. you know, for sure. Nice, nice. And that was that was all at uh, FMX, right? Yeah, Lubbock. KFMX in Lubbock. Okay, Lubbock. And you said that at one point they started working you into where you were there, like, uh, getting there, getting to be full time, right? Like where you were there. Yeah. So uh, eventually, you know, as you work your way up in radio, you'll start off doing like the worst shift. You're like, you'll do Saturday from midnight to 6am or, you know, Sunday midnight to six. And that's like the worst, but then you kind of move up and start doing, you know, like afternoons and nights or day parts or whatever. Well then after that, you kind of segue into filling in for the full-time jocks. So, if the, you know, the midday guy is out, you know, he'll, he would call me and say, Hey, you know, Natalie's out today. I want you to, you know, uh, fill in 12 to three. So I would do the 12 to three. And then, you know, I got to where I was the number one guy in any time a full timer was out, I would, I would fill in and, uh, it was going great. You know, I was becoming well-known in, in little Lubbock and, uh, having fun. And then one day my program director called me in the office and he said, look, um, you're really not going to go anywhere here because everyone that's full time, you know, unless they die or get caught with dope, you know, they're going to stay in their position. And he goes, we're all on dope anyway. So he goes, but Dallas, Dallas is actually looking for some DJs and I've already put your name in. I know the PD there. So he actually hooked me up with the job at the Eagle. Uh, so I just okay. drove down here and uh, I drove to Dallas one weekend or one, I, it was like a Thursday or something. And I had an interview on the, on that Friday and, um, you know, for the Eagle. And he said, all right, I interviewed at the Eagle and I, you know, got the job and started working there and started same way, started doing like the overnight shifts at the Eagle midnight to 6am on the weekends. Yeah. And the same thing, I just worked my way up. I took over the local show Sunday nights and I was still doing weekend shifts. And then I started filling in for, you know, whoever in the daytime, whether it was Cindy, Chris, or, you know, whoever. And, um, yeah, man, Cindy skull, Cindy skull, my girl. I listened to you guys all the time growing up, man. You know, I mean, that was, you were the voice on the radio to me, man. It was, it was a big deal whenever we got to play the local show with you. I mean, I was, I was so stoked on that, man. That was That's a cool. big deal for me at the time when outlet got to play it. And, uh, I just spoke to those guys in outlet like a little while ago right before I did this. And Greg brought up a funny story about the local show. <clears throat> we were playing at the cage actually uh -huh. right across the street. You remember the cage? Uh, uh, cage. Right across um, the street from the curtain club. Indigo. Uh, yeah. Was it by where the Indigo club was? Indigo was a little bit down the street. This was uh, right across the street from the curtain club, directly across the street from the curtain club. Anyway, we played there, and then afterwards, we, were, we you asked us to come over and help fill some time over at the Curtain Club with you at the local show. It was like nice. some after-hour thing. We nice. got up and played, 
And uh, Greg said that, like, right when we got up and played, he said his guitar strap went on him and his guitar fell. And you walked up behind him and, like, held his guitar for him for, like, the rest of the, the time we were playing. So mm-hmm. you were, like, you know, his de facto guitar strap for us. But, yeah, we that was just a funny little little tidbit there that he mentioned earlier. I'd completely forgotten about, but good time. Man, I love, yeah. I love to hear stories like that, man. That's great. <laughs> That's great. I thought it I'm just I'm such a lover of music and, and live music and performance and bands and the whole thing that, yeah, man, you see somebody, you know, break their strap or go down, man. It's just to me, that's second nature to help somebody to like, you know, the show must go on, man. So hold his guitar up. You know? Yeah, that's that's great, man. I'm glad you told me that story. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, you totally saved him. Yeah, because it was it was going to go and you ran over there real quick and saved the day for us. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the Eagle um, with Cindy Skull. Oh, okay. You were right here hosting parties all over town. Wednesday night open jam at Curtain Club. Uh, I don't remember the Wednesday night open jam for some reason. That one, I, I remember the local show, but I don't remember the Wednesday night open jam. So it was weird because I was doing Sunday nights and they were obviously very popular. Um, the, the owner of the Curtain Club was like, we get more people on Sunday than we do on a Friday and Saturday. It's not supposed to be like that. But right. um, yeah. so he asked me if I wanted to do some other, if I'd be interested in doing like another night, you know, like maybe doing a Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. And back yeah. in Lubbock, I used to host the Open Jam in Lubbock, or I used to at least go to it. There, there, Some other people hosted it, but I would always go and co-host it. And I would play, you know, I would get up there with my guitar or one of my bands and we, you know, play three songs or something, you know, how open jams go. And um, so I kind of brought that idea to to when he said, yeah, you want to do like a Wednesday or Thursday? I think I already had a Thursday gig going. So I said, maybe Wednesday we could do like an open jam and just and he goes, sure. So for a while, it didn't last very long because I think then they moved it over to Liquid Lounge and started doing the Wednesday night Liquid Lounge like thing but yeah um but yeah that's where and that's actually where i uh met the guys and started red leather was that wednesday night show uh neil neil from tech three remember that band tech three uh back in the day so he he was him and he hung out with uh some other guys they would always show up on wednesday and throw down some jams and then uh project 232 those guys would always show up and so, um, you know, we'd hang out, have beers, and we'd talk about music while the bands were playing and stuff. And uh, we just decided, hey, we all like 80s rock. We should get together and, and you know, for the open jam and play some 80s rocks, like form a, form a side band and get up on Wednesdays and play like Skid Row or Poison or Motley Crue or whatever, you know, Guns N' Roses. And so that's kind of the birth of Red Leather, how that started was way back then at that open jam on Wednesday nights at the Curtain Club. I love that era of 80s metal, what you just mentioned, like Rat, oh. Out of the Cellar. Um, oh. uh, yeah, Queensrock was another one of my favorites from oh. that era. Queensrock, uh, Rage for Order. Oh, that's uh, the masterpiece right there. Much. That's the masterpiece. Yeah. Everybody listens to Empire or Operation Mindcrime, and I tell them, no, Rage for Order yeah. is a masterpiece. It is. Absolutely. But my mom shared yeah. Rage for Order with Go ahead. That was the actually the high that was when I was in high school. So I'm really dating myself, but that was when um, all that was popular. You know, the late '80s, early '90s 
was when, you know, the hair metal, I guess hair metal, but bands like Queensryche and GNR and, you know, LA Guns, Faster Pussycat, you know, Winger, uh, obviously Motley Crue yeah. and Rat and, you know, all of those bands, which I was, that was like a huge point in your life. You know, I think everybody remembers their high school or, gra you know, gra you know, the first years of college. Those were like the, the pinnacle yeah. years where you're really happy in your life. Life is really easy. You know, you're just starting out. And so yep. all those bands just, were just like, still to this day, I love all that that whole you know genre, that era. So yeah, man, we played those songs and it was fun. We still do. <laughs> it's interesting that you, when you mentioned it like that, it made me think of that time in my life, which the Ellen bands were a big part of that for me because when I was 19, 20, 21, that was 99, 2000, 2001. Yeah. So that was right when Outlet was, you know, doing the local show stuff with you. And when I think of that time, I think of bands like Edgewater and Drowning Pool. And I remember Dave from Drowning Pool coming up just out of the blue and playing a song with us one night, only because he was sitting at the bar and I guess he liked what he heard. And he came up and started jamming with us, you know, Justin just handed him the mic. Here you go. I'll never forget that moment, you know, and yeah, and I'm thankfully my buddy Nathan was filming it, so I was able to get that footage and put it up on YouTube. And oh, that's you know, cool. So yeah, that's that moment cool. with Dave. Yeah, was actually captured, so I was actually able to get that, and it was all restored. And yeah, that was that was, that was a cool moment, though. Um, the type of guy but, he uh, was, though. He would always get up and jam, man. He he was another music nerd. Me and him were, you know, we bonded and hung out a lot because he was such a huge music nerd like me. I mean, we just talk about music for hours bands and yeah. like you know he would name have you ever heard of the band king cobra i'd be like yeah of course i've heard of the band king cobra and we'd talk okay. about that or you know whatever these obscure like off bands that we became uh fans of uh and then we would get together and talk about you know that band i know that band we, we'd talk about it forever but yeah he was cool he was a music nerd like me and uh loved to jam like me that's great i never knew that about dave i never really got to know the guy that was really the only time I ever got to speak with him was then at that night at that show. So that's awesome to know that he was that into it, you know, because I always love to meet other like-minded people that that dig that deep into it, you know, because yeah. it's so fun. Yeah, totally he nerd out on it. Yeah, he was a really cool guy. <laughs> we, love you, Dave. we love you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I think about him and Daryl all the time. I really do. I miss Daryl so much. I think about Dimebag all the time. Like that affected me so deeply at the time. You yeah, know, I remember that. There's a hero to all of. I mean, the local scene, uh, everybody involved in music locally, or if you were in a band, or just uh, even yeah. if you were just a fan. I mean, because they were they were our brothers. They were local. So yep. um, yeah, when when somebody like that, and you see them succeed. I mean, think about how big Pantera was. I mean, they were bigger than Metallica at one point, right? So they were yeah. the biggest metal band ever. So and to know them and to hang out with them. And then for something tragic like that to happen, I mean, it really does affect you. Um, yeah. I just went to Absolutely. the Metallica show and they did a, of course, the the reunited Pantera with Zach and Charlie from Anthrax. Um, I, love, I love that. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's like I told everybody, it's not the same. You know, there's nuances, there's feeling. I mean, obviously it's not going to be exactly like it was with Vinny and Dime, but um, right. You know, they did a good tribute. Let's put it that way. It was good. I mean, 
Charlie, uh, Charlie talks about the Cadillac rock box with dime and dime was on the anthrax records. Yeah. Dime would always make guest appearances and dime and Zach were like best friends. Yeah. So, I mean, there were the, they, to me, they were the perfect two guys for sure to do that. For and sure. they're doing them great justice too. I believe they're doing them a great honor. Oh yeah. yeah. What they're doing right now. Yeah. 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 And Phil. And, uh, yeah. You're right about Pantera. They gave like a legitimacy to our scene. They really oh. did. Totally. To well, so did Drowning Pool, so did Edgewater, yes. so did Pimpadelic, yeah. so did a lot of the bands that, you know, this that's what made doing the local show so easy because there is so much talent here that, you know, I could just, it was a fishbowl. I could just reach in and pick out, you know, bands. But even the bands that were second tier or third tier were still great, you know, uh, because they right. have those bands to look up to, to emulate, you know. When you've got local bands that are signed to major labels and are cool and hanging out with the other bands and friendly and they're getting up and jamming with other bands, I mean, the community back then was so strong. The whole music scene was so strong because we had all of that. We had, we had you know, major label bands locally. We had bands that were about to break locally. We had new bands that had that as a, you know, uh, you know they, they knew they had to step it up right away to, you know, play at that yeah. level. So they did. I mean, we had so much talent and so many good bands that my job was so easy, you know, back then. You know, I just pick, you know, hey, you guys sound like you'd go great with this band. Let's do a show. And we do a show and it was fun. You were a natural too. You made it look so fun. And I remember at the Curtain Club, just the way the band sounded there, James. Oh, would make yeah. everybody sound incredible. I mean, the sound there was always. He made so me good. sound incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he always did. He always did cool little tricks with your voice and everything. And y'all always mm -hmm. had fun up there. I mean, it was, yeah. The local show yeah. was a bomb. I miss it. I really do. But that the scene had a lot of momentum at that time. It really did. Those bands yeah, like yeah. Drowning Pool, Pantera, Edgewater that you mentioned, they really gave it a lot of momentum that helped us smaller bands. Yeah. You know, we really were inspired by that. I remember being really inspired by that at the time, going down there and just, just being there and being around all of that made me want to go be a part of it really badly, yeah. you know? Yeah. The local and uh, you guys were always so cool. So you guys were very accepting too. Um, it was weird though. Like I remember when you moved to 105.3, like that transition, I would like to touch on that. Like what, can you talk about that a little bit? Your transition from the Eagle to 105.3? Well, yeah. Um, so, or you not, know, Sorry, go ahead. Good. Ahead. Yeah, you know, radio is radio is is fun. It's a lot of fun um, until the corporate suits get involved, right? So that that what happened in radio, kind of behind the scenes, was um, you know, radio greed basically is what happened, and, and radio uh, became corporate uh, instead of you know it being about the music, it being about the personalities. Uh, it became more about numbers, uh, advertising, how much revenue the station is making. So the suits kind of took over uh, and, and it, they took over so much that they were dictating, uh, you know, what the personalities can say, how long they could talk, what they can talk about, what bands that we could play or not play. It just became real restricting. And what that Me. what that did to radio is it killed radio, basically. It, it, it killed radio stations. It killed format. Yeah. It, you know, it, it almost it basically killed rock radio here in Dallas. I mean, we don't even have like a new rock, really. Uh, I guess there is some, but I don't really listen to the right, radio. You're right. You're right. There really isn't one. Yeah. So, you're absolutely right. 
there was always threats of people getting fired or stations changing formats or, you know, whatever. And yeah. that's exactly what was happening at the Eagle at that time. There was rumors that it was flipping formats and there was rumors that people were getting fired. And my name came up as they, you know, they were going to fire me because I was just, you know, excess. They didn't need, you know, me on the afternoon show and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, so, so before they could fire me, which I thought, and then maybe that wouldn't have got fired. I don't know, but there was just so much like, you know, the, 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 the atmosphere, the atmosphere was yeah. toxic, right? So yeah. a lot of people had left the Eagle already and went to 105.3, which 105.3, Howard Stern went over there. Russ Martin went over there. Uh, the, the promotions staff went over to 105.3 that came from the Eagle. So they offered me a job. They said, hey, just come over here. Be our, be our, in, instead of just doing it on the afternoon show, you could be like a fill-in guy and like a, a promotions personality for every show. You know, like whenever we do a event, you'll be the live guy with the mic since you're so good you know, being live or being out at events, we'll just have you be yeah. that guy in all of our events and you could do your local show and we'll expand it to two hours. You know, I told them I want to do not just do an hour on Sunday. I want to do two hours of local music. So they said, yeah, bring it on. So, and then they paid me more money to do all of that. So I'm like, why wouldn't I leave? So yeah, it was just a real weird kind of time. I mean, yeah. In ret when I look back to that, I wish I would have stayed at the Eagle because uh, yeah. I probably would, Mike could even still be in radio, uh, but, uh, or maybe not, you know, the, the times change and, you know, you can't really look back, but, uh, but yeah, I went to 105.3 and did that, but then 105.3, it's like the same atmosphere, you know, it just got yeah. toxic and, you know, there was, it, then it eventually flipped to 105.3, the fan sports. And so then I was going to go work at the bone. So then I was going to go work at the bone. Uh, I knew the program director at The Bone because it was 93.3 The Bone and they were playing rock music. So I thought, well, man, I'll, I'll bring the local show to The Bone and just be a DJ there. And right when I was about to start at The Bone, they flipped formats to The Merge, which was adult contemporary. adult. Uh, so everywhere that I went was just like, ah, no. And adult contemporary, what is that? Is that like Neil Diamond or something? No, well, it's like softer adult, adult oriented rock music. So it's like the Dave Matthews band, I guess, or James Taylor, yeah. or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, those guys are good, but it's definitely not rock and metal, though. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it, it prevented me yeah. from having a gig there and from uh, and from you know bringing the local show there. So once that happened. You know, Damn. it really wasn't an opportunity locally for me to do what I was doing. And so I shopped around different parts of the United States, but I really didn't want to leave Dallas. I mean, I could have went to Boise, Idaho or, you know, South Dakota or, you know, somewhere else to do radio in a mid medium market uh, with, without yeah. a problem. But I had I had already started a family. I had my daughter and I really didn't want to leave Dallas. So man, I just stayed here. And, you know, that's when I started Texas Radio One. I started doing like my own radio events, my own events, you know, internet radio, streaming and stuff like that. And it was before podcasting, right? I was like the first podcaster. Um, right. So I started doing that stuff. And, yeah. yeah. I was trying to do something, right? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that because I think I missed all that, the Texas Radio One. I'd like to know a little bit about how that started and 
what the whole like concept or idea was with that. Because you said that was pre-podcast, right? That was all like pre before even YouTube got real big, probably. So what is this like? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So internet radio was just becoming a thing, you know. Uh, there wasn't satellite radio, there wasn't podcasting, but there was internet radio where you could like go online and listen to music. And so yeah. I said, well, we, why don't we do that? Why don't we create a internet radio station that caters only to Texas music, but we won't just do rock. We'll do country. We'll do jazz. We'll do R and B. We'll do rock of course, or we'll do metal and we'll break down sub genres. You know, we'll do a metal show but then we'll do like just straightforward rock. We'll do a new wave. You know, we'll try to, you know, incorporate all the bands, all the genres of Texas and not just Dallas, Fort Worth. Let's do Austin and San Antonio and Houston. So yeah. I created this. I had, I had an investor who, who, you know, brought forth some money and we really created this little studio and this radio station. And we got a, a IT streaming guy that, you know, knew all the uh, ins and outs of the computer end of it. And, uh, and you know, it, it kind of took off for a while. Uh, I, it allowed me to do the local show for a while on Texas Radio 1 and some other shows. Like I said, I was doing other shows around town, live broadcasting. Uh, we could do live internet radio, which is like really the first kind of podcasting kind of, you know, live internet radio. I mean, it was the, we were one of the first ones to do it. And, uh, and then what was cool about it is it was being broadcast all over the world. So we were getting listeners from Germany, and, you know, getting getting listeners from Europe who wanted to hear Texas music was actually pretty cool. So, it, yeah. you know, I did that for a while. But then, you know, it's hard to sell, you know, make money doing that because it was so new and nobody knew about, you know, revenue on Internet. And so, you know, it was new technologies and no one had really conquered it yet. So eventually... You know, the investor was pulled pulled out and, you know, there was no money to really keep the show going or the, the station going. So then that didn't happen. So uh, but that was fun. It was a great learning experience and, you know, um, good times. Oh, I wanted to ask a little bit more about Red Leather and see if you guys only did covers or if y'all had ever worked on any original tunes or had any plans of ever releasing any albums or anything. <clears throat> yeah. We're going to release an album, Double Platinum, man. All our greatest hits. <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, I forget where we left off. But, yeah, man, Red Leather, um, you know, what happened was when I was doing the Eagle and did that Wednesday night thing, I formed this band uh, with, you know, some other musicians. And uh, we started playing that open jam. But then we started getting like, hey, you guys should, you know, play a gig, you know. So we started getting like people call us for gigs and we were like, damn, we got to learn some songs so we can play a whole set. Right. So we learned a whole set of covers and, um, and then we would play these gigs, you know, we, we start playing all around. And uh, so that's kind of how the birth of the band started. Um, and then uh, it was Neil uh, was in the band uh, from tech three who now, if you know, Neil Swanson, he's like one of the top guitar players. He's, playing with Steve I and Orianti and some, he's really? plays with, he's basically a touring guitarist for major label bands. So oh, he plays yeah. Orianti. That's incredible. Yeah. He's, he's Orianti. Like he's Orianti's guitar player, basically why she, he's the other guitar player in the band. So yeah, he's, so it was him. And then, um, you know, we had Ross on drums. We had, we had a couple different drummers, but anyway, 
Ross from Project 232 is now a big story. But uh, but we had actually, yeah, we had actually worked up a song just on a whim called Red Leather, like our theme song. Okay. And if you actually, if you actually go to ReverbNation.com slash Red Leather, you can actually hear the song Saturday Night. And it's basically about red leather partying and doing a gig on a Saturday night, <laughs> kind of like our little story. But so that's our, so we did original way back then. But then after that, we just, uh, you know, we started playing gigs all over, not just in Deep Ellum. We started playing North Dallas. We started playing Fort Worth. And, you know, we, we would, we traveled all the way to New Mexico or Austin or, you know, East Texas. We started playing gigs all over. So we focused mostly, mostly on the cover songs, you know, and expanding our, our uh, catalog of songs but never really went back to originals. Um, I mean, I listen, I, I'd love to be in a band and write more songs. And I've got some songs, you know, personally that I do, but, um, but we, I felt, man, we kind of missed the boat. We should have wrote some more songs and released an album. Yeah. That would have been cool. Right. No, but that's, that's cool though. I mean, covers are still awesome. Covers are fun. I, I, I performed with a guy out here who had a giant, uh, catalog of covers that he had like 400 different songs you know that yeah. you pull from and he would do all you know but yeah co no covers are great i mean um what about well you can make a lot of money that's one thing about it is we were going from well, you know making a couple hundred dollars here and there to making five hundred dollars to making a thousand dollars to making fifteen hundred dollars a gig you know sometimes we're making twenty five hundred dollars a gig you know for private events and you know, weddings and stuff, you know, we get paid five grand, you know, I mean, you can make a lot of money in a cover band. Right. Um, and this was before tribute bands were a thing. So when Red Leather started, there weren't tribute bands. There were bands doing one band. I mean, you had a cover band, you played a little bit of everything, variety. Yeah. And that's what was big. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, this tribute band thing took over, uh, which is what's really hot now. And which kind of sucks because cover bands really are getting the shaft now because everybody wants tribute bands and cover bands don't get booked as much as they used to. So really, that's interesting. Yeah. Everybody wants tribute bands. You, you would everybody, that, every club wants tribute. Wow. You would think that everybody would want more variety in the set list, you know, because with a cover you band like you guys, right? you know, with you guys, you get Rat, you get Motley Crue, you get Van Halen, you know, you get all the grace instead of just one band. So. To me, I like the I like the cover band setup myself personally better. But that's what I always tell I say instead of paying tribute to one band, we pay tribute to all the bands. Yes. Right? Yeah. So we're playing we're playing seventies, nineties, you know, eighties rock, obviously, which is our wheelhouse, but you know, we can play Buck Cherry, we can play the new stuff, we can play the sixties and seven we can play all genres of rock, you know, pretty much, or all eras, right? Uh, but no, they, they want, you know, Matchbox 20 cover band or tribute band. So that's what they want. They want one band uh, the whole night. So do you play guitar sometimes and sing or is it just vocals with Red Leather with you? Uh, rarely. Every once in a while I'll play guitar and Red Leather, but mostly it's just I just sing because okay. the, the songs are so demanding vocally that, you know, to play guitar and sing is, is kind of tough. It's restricted. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, most of those bands have a dedicated lead singer that, you know, most of the bands that we do. So, yeah, good um, point. Yeah. Rat, 
dedicated lead singer Van Halen. Right. Yep. Most of them. Most yeah, of them, right? Doing the Hetfield thing, which, by the way, that guy, the way that he does that riffage and then sings over it has always blown my mind. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is. He is. Yeah, he was good the other night. I went and saw him here last weekend. And, man, for 60 years old, for him to play metal, like yeah. all those old school songs and sing them, you know, his voice – for a while, you know, we used to crack on him when we were we, during the the load and reload and, you know, the St. Oh, Anger era. Yeah. Uh, we used to crack on James that he couldn't sing anymore and, you know, and, you know, they that Metallica was lame. But, man, since then, you know, they're, they're death magnetic and 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 um, hardwired. And the new one, the new one, 72 Seasons, that album is amazing. Yep. And his voice, like, he actually sings again. Like, he can actually metal it up so it's it's he's he's pretty amazing for 60 years old man i saw you mention that it wasn't loud enough though i saw your post <laughs> about the concert not being loud enough so the, it was yeah well two two things two things come into play here number one uh, i'm old so and i've been <laughs> on stages where i've been wearing headphones in, in radio and I've been in front of amps and next to cymbals. You know, when the drummer hits the cymbal and it's right there in your ear, you know, you're 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 damaging your hearing. So number one, I'm hard of hearing, right? But number two, number two is that Texas it's it's a ATT Stadium. I almost said Texas Stadium, same thing. But basically, the it's hard to get good sound in a stadium, you yeah. know, and the way the setup was. You know, we were actually sitting in the seats. So unless you were on the floor in front of the stage, you know, it just wasn't loud, you know, and there were some dead spots in there. And so wow. you could hear it, but it wasn't like back in the old days when we used to go see bands at Reunion Arena or, you know, back in my day, I would go see them in Colorado at McNichols Arena. Yeah. Uh, you know, ACDC, Def Leppard, those bands. Wow. It was only 18,000, 18,000 people or 20,000 people in a, in a basketball arena. So it was so loud, right? But you get eighty thousand people in a, in a in a stadium. It just you, you don't have a the, the sound just can't carry, you know. So it's not as loud. So I think it's a combination of the arena or the stadium, and I think it's a combination of me just I've lost my hearing, man. I can't hear anymore. There's something to a smaller place. Like I would take the Curtain Club, for example, any day yeah. over that big AT and T arena. I would much rather right see metallica at the curtain club because it would be amazing oh. you know which is it's funny you brought that up one time uh i did a special local show where we had some national bands come and play mm. and it was corrosion of conformity nickelback and this was the same bill it was corrosion of conformity headline nickelback was the middle band right when nickelback first came out and then the first band was ah. Uh, I want to say full devil jacket or something like that. Full metal jacket, full devil jacket. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. So it was that we had though. And I got to hang out with all those guys on a Sunday night. Cause it was like, they, they only could work it out where they were in Dallas on Sunday and they had to do it at the curtain club. So I just kind of turned it into a, a um, national show instead of a local show and got to interview those guys and stuff. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, I would much rather see bands there. Because yeah. you're right up close to the sound. And James, the way he ran sound back then, yeah. he was the best sound player. That place sounded like it was the, it, it sounded like a CD. I mean, it sounded like the, the best. 
your band could your band never sounded as good as they did in the curtain club period yep yep absolutely man i was there that night with you i met chad kroger that night i remember at the bar curtain club yeah i remember that show coc killed it that night that was so awesome i'm glad you they brought that so- up because for some reason and i love coc um totally I forgot that they were there that night i totally remembered that night as like a nickelback night i only remembered them from that night for some reason maybe it's because i yeah. met chad that night but i completely forgot and now that you mentioned it I, it's coming back to me and yeah coc at the curtain club that was killer yeah. Yeah. We actually, Nickelback was in town for a couple of days and I got to hang out with those guys. It's, and you know, I'm not a huge Nickelback fan. I mean, some people hate them. Some people like them. I, I'm, I don't care one way or the other. I mean, I think they've got some good songs. I just, I'm just, they're just not a band that I follow or have a bunch of their, you know, records or anything, but I hung out with them for a couple of days and they were all really super cool. Yeah. Uh, we hang out, we hung out at a couple of bars, you know, that's the good thing about working in radio is I got to meet, a lot of musicians too, a lot of, um, of, you know, rock stars, rock stars, you know, they had made it, you know, they are million dollar, you know, bands. And, uh, you know, so again, it's kind of like, you know, you get to be a part of that, you know, and that kind of, you get to then take that to the local scene, you know, kind of like the bands, you know, having the Panteras and the Drowning Pools or whatever, but then, you know, having like the opportunity I had to interview or meet bands, that kind of, put that to use in the local show to make even, you know, that even better. So it was like the scene, you know, just the whole era, that whole time was just such a great time. It was was a good format too. I remember you would come up and you would talk a little bit, maybe throw out some t-shirts and stuff. And then was the interview first, you would have like a bunch of chairs lined up and there would be the the whole band up there with you, you on one end. And usually the mic would get passed to one of the band guys, whichever, one was the talker or whatever, which usually definitely wasn't me. I think in my band, they probably handed it, I think in my band they probably handed it to Justin. Uh, but yeah, I remember and you talked for a little bit and it was live, so there was a little bit of pressure, right, for the bands. Yes, yeah. so for you, yeah, it's easy as breathing because you did it every night, you know, or it was your job. Wow. But for us, yeah. we get nervous, you know, like right before that. I remember getting super nervous, like man. No, I, I mean, yeah. It's- you know, uh, but yeah, and then yeah. we jam afterwards, right? So it was like interview, and then we'd play, yeah. right? Yeah, live live on the radio and do the interviews. Everybody introduce themselves, and then I'd ask a few dumb questions. You know, I'd, <laughs> yeah, you know, try to try to keep it funny and fun, and then uh, and then the bands would play after the live broadcast. Then the bands would play live. But then the 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 thing that a lot of people remember about those shows is in between bands when we actually did the giveaways. When we gave away the T-shirts and CDs and concert tickets, we did this thing called performance art. I don't know if you remember, where we would have, you know, people come up and have to do things to win the, <laughs> to win yeah. the stuff. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And this was this was before the Me Too movement, and you know, uh, before things, you know, people are a lot more uh, aware and sensitive now than they were back then. People were pretty raunchy back then. So, you know, girls would, you know, do almost anything to get a pair of concert tickets at that point. So uh, there was a lot of skin. There was a lot of good times. There was a lot of, we had these dice, these sex dice that we would roll and then we'd have couples come up and they would have to do whatever I rolled on the dice. I remember They'd have to emulate it. If the crowd liked it and cheered for it, you know, whoever got the most applause would win the tickets, right? Or the 
the seats, the shirts, or whatever we were giving away. So yeah, <laughs> performance art. That's what we called it. Yeah, I forgot all about the dice. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> what See, we had dice? fun. Those shows were fun. Weren't they fuzzy? Were the dice fuzzy? Were they were they like uh, fluffy or something? They were like big, pink dice. They were like huge. They were like that big. And they were pink. But then, right? yeah, okay. Yeah, they were pink. And I'd roll them out there, and it would come up. Though you know. One would say something, and you had to. The couple had to do that, and that's when it got you know a little risque. Like you know, sometimes yeah. people were taking off their clothes and you know emulating uh, sexual activity and stuff. But you had you had such a confidence about you though that people went along with it. I remember people would pretty much buy into whatever you had going. You know, you, know, you were so good at that. There was just something about it, man. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing to. to I don't. I don't know if that's you were really good at your job. I mean, I see why they, they love you so much up there. You had that personality for it. It just seemed to come naturally. Yeah. 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 It was it was a lot of fun. We were just having a lot of fun. As much fun as we could have, basically. We were just trying to do that for sure. <laughs> um do you wanna uh did you wanna touch on uh reckless uh rock radio on uh, Yeah man, so you know, um I, actually, I'm going to tell you about something else that I'm working on as well. So okay. um, you know, I, I got out of radio. I, I was doing some voice gigs, uh, but not a lot in the radio stuff for quite a while. Red Leather was really all I was doing for many years um, and still doing Red Leather till this day. I mean, we got a gig coming up March, oh wait, March, uh, September 8th. I don't even know what month it is, man. Uh, September 8th, we got a gig. Red Leather's playing at Tees in Louisville, Tees Bar and Grill. So we're still doing that. I mean, we don't play as much as we used to every once in a while. Uh, but I've kind of turned my sights. Um, you know, uh, Reckless Rock Radio is on uh, Sunday nights at 10 on 89.3 KNON. Mm -hmm. uh, the voice of the people. Yeah. Uh, and my friend, uh, you know, Lee Russell, who's one of, another great sound guy, local music guy. Um, who has done, you know, sound for Tesla. He, he's been on the road with Tesla. I mean, he, Skid Row, he knows all these bands. And, he, you know, he lives here in Dallas. And so he wanted to do a radio show. And he got, um, uh, if you know Greg Spicoli, who used to be on 93.3 The Bone. Yes. And so him and Spicoli are doing this local rock uh, show on Sunday nights at, at 10 o'clock called Reckless Rock Radio. And so I'm good friends with them. And so they have asked me to come up several times. And so every couple of months, I'll go up there and sit in with them. And uh, I have, I've been traveling this summer, so I haven't done it as much this summer. But yeah, so they play two hours of local rock, mostly Dallas, Fort Worth or the surrounding areas. Um, every once in a while, they'll play, you know, something a little more uh, like Austin or, um, not very often. It's mostly, you know, that same format that I had is just local bands. And mm. sometimes they'll have bands come in and they'll interview them. Uh, but they mostly just play, you know, a lot of the local local music uh, from from back in the day, from back in the 90s, 2000s to bands that are out right now, which is cool. It's a good outlet for bands to get their stuff on the radio. Uh, so, yeah, I've been sitting in with them. And, uh, and I'll just tease. I'll, let me just tease something. So. I'm working with Lee and Spicoli. We're actually working on uh, bringing another rock radio station to Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, right. We're working 
we're working on something that's going to bring a real rock radio back and and it's going to be it's going to also be able to be streamed uh we're going to do podcasts and shows like the local show so we're kind of we're going to we're bringing it back so i don't know there's not we're, we're just now kind of getting things in place we're going to accompany accompany that with actually the music magazine as well that's going to promote not only local bands, but also national bands. So the, the radio station is going to have national and local artists as well. But it's going to be basically the rock genre, uh, you know, everything, you know, under the rock genre, uh, different, you know, different subsets of that. But um, but we're working on that, and uh, it's going to come out here hopefully before the end of the year. We probably should have something up and running pretty quick. Uh, as far as the magazine and the radio station is concerned. Um, but um, I'll, I'll tease it on social media and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll let everybody know when it launches, but it's going to be a cool opportunity to have, you know, a, not even better than the Eagle. You know, the Eagle played the same 40 rock songs over and over. Yeah. We're going to really be a real, real rock station, have real personalities, real DJs doing funny things again, like, like Z rock. Our KNAC in LA, Man. and we're going to have a real rock format. We're not just going to play the same forty songs. You know, we're not going to play Tool once an hour every hour. We're going to play stuff from the eighties, stuff from the nineties, the grunge. We're going to play metal. It's going to be uh, a real all-encompassing rock station that's going to interview national artists. You know, that are coming through playing concerts in Dallas, Fort Worth. We're going to interview bands. We're going to have special events. Um, so we're working on something that's pretty big. Like I said, I'm just kind of teasing it now. I'm not even going to give you the name of it because even okay. though we've got the name and everything, but it's coming, it's coming. And we're, I'm, I'm getting more back into radio and we're going to bring, start doing radio shows and bring in the, I'm going to get kind of do more, go back into the radio end of it. Oh man, that's exciting. I love that you mentioned that there's going to be a magazine to accompany it. That's great, man. I, I love music magazines, you know, magazines of any kind, but that's a really cool idea. And I think the fact that you mentioned uh, the, having the national bands be a part of it is smart because that'll help bring more attention to it, obviously, for bring more attention to the local bands. You know, if it was just focused solely on local, you know what I mean? Like my show is, you know, it might be a little bit tougher to find an audience. Not, not, not as many people might know about it, but the idea of adding the nationals in there as well. Uh, that's well, here's, here's the deal. You get bands like LA Guns are coming in this Friday to play at Trees. Who, who are, who's doing the interview with LA Guns? Nobody. There's not a rock station here for them to do a radio. So we're going to be that outlet or, you know, Corrosion of Conformity or, you know, even Metallica or Pantera or whoever band, you know, there's really not a format, a radio station here locally that plays that music. Right. We'll be, we'll be that format. So any rock bands that come to town We'll promote them. We'll give away tickets. We'll interview the bands. We'll be at the shows. That's what this is designed for. So, and what this is, the technology is allowing us to do this. So when I say magazine, it's not a paper magazine. It's a actual magazine on your phone that you, you've, you know, you've seen those where you flip, you know, you just do the next page. The next page. So it's going to be a digital magazine yeah. uh, available. And it's going to, we're also going to have uh, a, basically an app where you can have the magazine and listen to the radio station. We're going to stream it worldwide, you know, so you can, you'll be able to stream this rock station anywhere, but it, we're going to be based in Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth. And we're going to, you know, focus on this to be in our hometown. 
and, and any bands that come through promoting them, rocking them. Uh, you know, we're going to be adding, you know, new songs like Extreme has a new album. We'll play the new Extreme song, but we're still going to play Iron Maiden. We're still going to play, you know, you know, Iron Maiden. We're going to play the cool deep cuts from the old metal albums, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, you know, we'll play Metallica deep cuts. We're not going to be like a commercial corporate radio station. We're going to be a real fans, fans, rock station that's going to be there for the bands uh, and not just the national bands, but we're going to feature the local music scene again. So it's all big picture, man. It's coming. Uh, and I'm going to start teasing it on my social media real soon. Uh, but we're going to hopefully we're going to get things launched before the end of the year or maybe right at the first of the year. But it's going to be pretty big for Dallas, Fort Worth. And, and it's going to be really fun for me to get back into radio and, and host a number of shows because we're going to have a you know, regular DJs, we're going to have specialty shows, we're going to have local shows, we're going to have interview shows where we just talk about music and maybe we don't, kind of like what Eddie Trunk does, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Eddie Trunk, Oh yeah, where yeah. he does his Trunk Nation or whatever, so we're going to have, you know, we're going to have shows that are just talking about rock music and we're going to do it all, so it's going to be a really cool thing for rock music fans of, you know, of all types, local, national uh, just to get involved, and and I, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be really, I think, crossing fingers. Hopefully, it, it it could be something that we could do here in Dallas, and then have other places and other major cities to do it as well, and travel and just have a good time and have fun again. That's that's amazing, dude. That's really exciting. Um, and it's interesting I've been working on it. about. I thought it was interesting what you mentioned about the same forty songs over and over again because i think back in the day that's kind of what made me initially because at a certain point probably 23 or 24 i tuned out of regular radio completely because yeah. i got bored with it because you're absolutely right it was like the eagle and the edge at the time i believe it was like the same 40 or 50 songs over and over again and you guys will definitely draw listeners if you care enough to really cultivate a great group of songs and pull deep cuts and you know, play stuff that you would never hear on regular, like corporate radio, like, I don't know, like Orion, Leper Messiah, you know what I mean? Stuff like exactly. that, you know, the, the stuff that they would never play. They'd always play Inner Sandman and Sad But True. Yeah. But never. You won't hear that. You won't hear those songs here. Right. But you will hear Cuts Off, Ride the Lightning, and, and, and you won't hear, you may not, you may hear Master of Puppets, but probably not. You're probably going to hear Leper Messiah and stuff like that. So that's the whole goal. And this is, I've been doing this my whole life. I've been you know, even though I haven't been in radio, I've been creating playlists and stations on Spotify. And, you know, I've been leading up to this. I've been working on this for a long time, for two or three years now with this project. Finally getting Lee Russell uh, on board because he's, he's just musically, technologically, he gets it. He understands it. So, he, you know, having him on board and then having real rock DJs again like Spicoli and, you know, Maybe Cindy Skull and maybe, you know, maybe, you know, having some other national radio DJs do shows. I mean, we're we're hoping to syndicate this thing and take it real big. Uh, but right now, you know, we're going to focus on Dallas, Fort Worth and giving fans here an outlet for rock music where they can go, damn, not only can we listen to all these kick ass old rock or new rock or whatever rock, this rock songs. But we know what's going on in town. We know what concerts, who's playing where. We know we know all the cool, you know, it's just, it's going to be cool again, man. We're going to make it cool again. It's a great idea. Do you still talk to Cindy? Or do you, do you all still? I do. 
that's awesome, man. That's so cool. Y'all yeah. were a great team. Y'all had a really cool chemistry. Like there was something, you know, that that was a that made a cool radio team for sure. She uh she's out of radio now. She's not doing radio anymore. She's actually doing uh she's a financial advisor for the stock market. So <laughs> it's crazy. So that's she's she's doing where you ended up too, which is the well, I mean, not a financial advisor, but you do the credit stuff, right? Like you credit advisor. Credit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny how we're, we we were doing what we're doing, but yeah. So that's you know my day job is I run I run a company, a credit restoration company called Edit My Credit, and uh, our website is EditMyCredit.net. And uh, people that ha need help with their credit, they can just go to the website. We offer you know coaching, uh, credit counseling. We'll teach you how to you know, restore your own credit, repair your own credit. We'll, we can help you do it kind of a hybrid. Well, you do some of it yourself. We'll help you with some of it, or we'll just do it all for you. So we've got, uh, you know, some options to help people with their credit. You know, a lot of people want to buy houses because rent's so damn expensive. Uh, that's what we do. We work with mortgage, uh, professionals, realtors, uh, and we help people get their credit right so they can buy houses and, uh, you know, the American dream baby. So yeah. that's kind of like my day job. But then, you know, obviously, you know, I love this new project with the radio is, is huge. I'm still doing red leather. Yeah. I've got a little acoustic thing with Dan from the band Big Iron and Dead Scene Believers. We got a little acoustic thing called Gift Horse. Him and I, we play some country songs and some uh, 80s ballads and acoustically. Um, and then I've got a family. I mean, I've got a lot of stuff going on, man. I'm busy all the time, right? But that's yeah. that keeps you young. That keeps you active. So, um, you know. Yeah. Makes I don't it fun. know if you're aware, but I wanted to make you aware that um, I was the two bands that I was in back in those days, in the Ellum days, Samsara and yep. Outlet. Outlet was the other. Yep. One. I played guitar in Outlet and I played bass for Samsara. Um, right. I'm still with. I'm still in a band with the vocalist for Outlet. We started a band last September called Burn the Negative. Right. Um, yeah, I've heard. I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Me and Justin, we're we were on like song seven right now. We started about nice. we started about a year ago, and we've almost got like eight songs to where we can go do a full length. We're gonna bug Braxton and see if we can get Braxton to record it for us since he did the outlet. There you go. So, yeah. Um, now, Braxton's great. Yeah, I love Braxton, man. He's great. And then the other guys, the Samsara guys. I'm in a band with all of them, all but one of them. Uh, Chris Carey, the guitar player for Outlet. I don't know if you remember him. I'm sorry. The guitar player for Samsara. Samsara, yeah. Yeah, Chris. He's not with us, but the other four guys, uh, we all started a band called Thieves. Uh, I've heard, yeah. Yeah, Thieves. So Thieves and Burning Negative, we would love to be a part of whatever it is that you guys are working on. Oh, absolutely. With. For yeah. sure, man. Yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and stuff like we're doing tonight, I want to feature stuff like this. So we're going to feature like, you know, we may feature other people's podcasts like your podcast on, okay. on it as well. So, I mean, we're going to have so many opportunities to do music, to do shows, to do podcasting, to do all kinds of things. So for sure. And I am, you know, I see all you guys on social media. So that's how I know kind of what you're doing. Uh, yeah. I know you got your own, you do your own stuff too, which is amazing. Uh, you're very talented, brother. I can oh, tell yeah. you that right now. Man. I love Belial. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank I love you. it. I love that stuff. So, and you know, Janardin and, and, you know, Ed Cheney, is he going to be playing drums? 
Ed Cheney is the drummer in Thieves. Yes, he is. Yeah. It's, it is See, that actually, it's Samsara, except uh, the guitar player is different. You know, it's just right. the same thing as Samsara. We sound just like Samsara. You know, it's still it's still us. It's just called something different. So I love it. Um, I mean, you guys were awesome. You got you guys had not only did you were you guys awesome, but you also had like those cheerleaders in the member of the Samsara girl. Yeah. So how can I forget? How can I forget that? That was those were good times. I can't take credit for that personally because they already had that going when I joined the band. But I thought it was brilliant, <laughs> though. I will say that. I thought it was like, man, that is genius. Because like sometimes yeah. they would be uh, cheerleaders and sometimes they'd be schoolgirls. And then right. sometimes they were nurses. And it just went so well with the local show, like theme and everything. I mean, we fit right in with all that. Yeah, it was. And they were always promoting. They were always promoting the band. Yeah. So, yeah, man. The idea was, was like, you don't want to, if I come up and hand, you know, a group of guys a flyer and say, here, come down here, they're just going to throw it on the ground, you know. But if a hot nurse walks up to them and says, here, why don't you come over here? They're probably way more likely to, you know, to follow them. I think that was the idea, you know? Yeah. Great idea. Genius. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I wanted to say thank you for what you guys are doing with this. You know, I know you can't say the title of it yet, but the little thing you just teased us with, I know all of us, you know, that are all working on our own stuff. We appreciate it. Absolutely appreciate it so much because, you know, music always needs all the help it can get. Right. I mean, so it's great that you guys are doing this. I think it's really awesome. And we're all in this together, man. Cause the thing about, you know, none of my career, my time at the Eagle or doing the local show or all any of that, none of that would have happened if it, we didn't have the bands, we didn't have the musicians, we didn't have the fans. Right. So it, it doesn't work unless everybody is involved. So that's one of the things that we're going to make sure it happens is that we get everybody involved and we give, we, we're putting out a product that everybody's like, damn, I can't believe I haven't heard this song in forever. Or man, is this the new extreme song? Cause this is, you know, whatever we're going to, we're going to put rock music back in Dallas Fort Worth the way it should be. And, and fun, have fun doing it, you know, have personality, have, have, you know, do the crazy zany things that we used to do back then within reason, you know, without getting arrested or anything, but, you know, have fun again. And that's what it's all about. Man. Beautiful. I think that's a, that might be a good note to go out, go out on, man. I think, uh, I think you, that, that says it best right there. So dude, I, really, yeah. I really appreciate you doing this with me, man. And, uh, look forward to yeah, hopefully, man. hopefully maybe working with you more in the future too. So I think so. I think we we got some things that we can do for sure. Awesome, Chaz, man. Well, I we, we really appreciate it, man. And thank you so much again for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate man. it, man. Thanks for even asking, man. I love doing these things. I love I've done a I've done a few of them, probably I don't know, six, seven, eight of them now. And I'm just I just love them, man. They're it's good. I like to talk and you know, I like doing radio. I mean, I like hanging out. We talk about music, we talk about, you know, old times. I mean, it's just it's just fun to do. So thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, man. All right, dude. Well, I'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, let's get together soon, man. And I'll, like I said, I'll be teasing this new, uh, this new rock station and rock magazine that's coming. Yeah. And uh, I'll be, listening. I'll be teasing it on social media. So, uh, you know, look for me on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or you know, I'm pretty much on all of them. Uh, Loco Chaz. So L O C O C H E Z. You'll find me. Okay. All right, dude. All right, brother. Killer, brother. Later, hey, thank you. Okay. Thank you.